What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another edition of the State of the Nova Nation podcast from VU Hoops. I'm Emma Houghton. He's Pat Zhang. And Pat, the Cats are now 2-1 and one on the season after, and I am not joking when I say this, one of the most insane college basketball games I have ever watched. They beat Howard on Tuesday night, 100-81. to 81. I think I'm still recovering or trying to wrap my head around what the heck we all watched on Tuesday night. Yeah, and you were there. You were there. there. Tell us what it was like. And also, please comment on the flannel scene. Oh, there there. were a lot of flannels. So good job by the students. Uh, going with that. it. Funny enough, one of my uh, my best friends from Nova was very upset that they break out flannel night after we graduate. Um, so I, know. I, I do understand that as well. Kind of hurts. Yeah, <laughs> a, l- a little bit. But no, the crowd was really good. I think it definitely helped that it was a 630 game instead of a 430 game, you know, a lot easier for for people to get to. Um, my favorite line basically from being there was the guy in the row next to me at one point in the first half screamed out, are we playing a team of Steph Curry's? Um, Because that's basically what it looked like for a good portion of the game. I can't say I would have expected hearing that line going into a game against Howard, but that's how things turned out. Yeah. Did you turn around and say yes? You look in the eyes and say yes. I gave gave a a shake of the head and approval uh, as he said that. I'm like, yeah, pretty much. The commissary shake of the head yes <laughs> know it well yeah it, it so we'll get into everything obviously we'll also preview the matchup against the weekend the hall of fame tip-off at mohegan mm-hmm. sun against tennessee on saturday but we will go over the howard game like we have the past few games we'll start with the positives we'll go through some of the box score stats some of the other things we saw and then we'll end with negatives and how they can improve in the future so leading score brandon slater mm-hmm didn't see that one coming. VU Hoops Instagram has been picked up lately and it's really, really great. And there was a hilarious story that there was a, a poll where you could pick who was going to be the top scorer before the game started. Brandon Slater wasn't an option. And oh. then on the next story, it was the Michael Jordan. And I took that personally, I mean, which I just oh. thought was hysterical. So make sure to finish, make sure to follow, excuse me, VU Hoops on Instagram. But Slater had 23 points, six or eight from the floor. And you guessed it four for four from three, because apparently all Brandon Slater did all off season was just shoot from the three point line. And he has refined it to the point where he is a really, really good shooter. I mean, pretty much. So we've played three games this year. Brandon Slater has now set his career high twice in those three games, you know, 17 in the first and then 23 here in game three. Uh, How I look at Brandon Slater, the latest in a long line of players that waited their turn that developed and have just gotten better over the years, which is why I think, you know, to, to jump the gun a little bit, but when we think of the freshman and people freak out about Trey Patterson playing five minutes or Nana and Joku playing four minutes, just breathe, take a breath. It's all right. You know, let these guys take some time to develop. Um, because as we're seeing with Slater, he did not remember. He didn't play much freshman year. Didn't he only came in in garbage time, even sophomore year. He didn't play that much. And what he's now developed and going into a senior year is, is so impressive. And then for the coaching staff, This is an I told you so for them through the first three games, because leading into the season, all Jay Wright talked about was how impressed he's been with Brandon Slater and how he's transformed his body and how he's worked on his shooting and how he has been the best player over the summer that they've seen. I guess he wasn't kidding after the first three games for what we've seen from Slater. And I don't know how you can't be super excited after it. Yeah, that's a really good point. Well said. And the other thing he talked about was his leadership. Mm -hmm. And you can see Brandon Slater being the last guy 
that goes up to every single player and gives them a high five every single time, every single time somebody falls to the floor, he picks them up for other players too. It's, it's remarkable to watch. It really is. I love that you say it's the, I told you so, because the coaches were certainly over emphatically about it. Like they were, it was very, very important to them. And now we're seeing why only three rebounds, which you, you expect a little bit more, but there were so many shots being made that there weren't a lot of rebounds to be had. I guess I'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. And then other other big scorers, Colin had 21. He was five for 12 from three, threw up 12 three-pointers. And Moore had 16. Those were the top three scorers for Nova. Yeah, so you can kind of go to a, a bunch of different places there from what you went with. The first thing is, I guess I'll say that Villanova won the rebounding battle, which is good because mm-hmm. I'm not sure how many times you're going to see that. And I do not expect to see that that this weekend just as a preview. Uh, but they did have 28 compared to Howard's 20. Uh, you know, Howard did have some big guys coming in at the forward position. So I think it is nice to see. Also, to your point, there weren't a lot of rebounds to be had as everyone was shooting lights out. Howard shot 74 percent from the field in the first half. I cannot wrap my head around that. At one point, they made 11 straight shots in the first half. Again, just completely crazy. Um, I I know it kind of leads into Villanova defense, which we are going to talk a lot about. Uh, I'm trying to hold off on it for now because it's definitely (laughs) in the negative. Um, So I'll I'll go to Gillespie since you did mention him. I find this really interesting. I, I wonder what you think about this. He's taken 37 field goals so far this season. 26 of them have been from three. He, Mm. and uh, listen, he's a really good three point shooter. It's not about that. It's about, I'm not sure he's comfortable driving the lane yet and and really going in for layups coming off of the MCL injury. I I think it makes sense being that remember like that's how he got injured was driving the lane coming down. And that's how the tear happened. What he has been really good at is getting into the lane and then kicking out, but Mm -hmm. we haven't really seen any sort of aggression from him going towards the basket yet. Yeah, that's a good observation. I was going to say, just first of all, the positives. He shot the lights out on Tuesday night. I thought that shot was incredible. When it's working like that, you pretty much do that every single time because it's working. Uh, It's a very good observation, though, because Justin Moore's game has been elevated so much this season because Mm. he's been able to drive to the hoop the way he has. Another one of my points. I love it. Yeah, and I, I tweeted, actually, during the game, these are the type of games where in my mind, Villanova should be experimenting. Mm-hmm. And there were definitely points at this game where they couldn't because Howard was within two or Howard was in even single digits in a game that we both expected to be a blowout. Absolutely. I, I digress. That being said, in games that we, that you, you know Villanova can win and they can really break away from, why not let Colin and Justin practice driving to the hoop? It's not mm-hmm. like their guards were super big. It's not this huge mismatch you have to exploit. Give them the reps. and. Colin hasn't been able to do that. And it's really apparent when you see Justin Moore doing it, but it's even more apparent when you see Jaime Hawkes doing it yeah. and Johnny Jubang doing it and Tiger Campbell doing it because that's where UCLA won that tiny matchups in a game where there's a thousand different things going on and different matchups to be won. That's how UCLA won mm-hmm. because Colin hasn't been able to define or even at this point create that inside game that he used to be so good at. It used to be Brunson-esque, right? And it's definitely been, you haven't been able to see it so far this year. Yeah, 
it's not an insult to Colin in no. any way. As you said, Colin was very good yesterday. Yeah, 21 points. 21 yeah. points on the five threes. There's nothing wrong with that. It was just an observation that we're not seeing him in the lane yet. And I'd love to see him start to add that a little bit to just continue to add to this Wildcat arsenal. Um, but, you know, as you talk about back downs, as I said, it's exactly one of the points I had written down. Justin Moore has decided to pull a Jalen Brunson so far this season and that we are really seeing him use the back down and use it a lot. Um, you know, he, he's so good at, at finishing through contact. So he's very comfortable getting to the rim, kind of using that spin move and going up. He's also, of course, good at drawing defenders and kicking out. I think you have to be, you know, pretty happy with what you've seen as more continues to do that. Because I, I, we mentioned it in the, in the uh, preview was that the slight on Justin Moore is that sometimes he just gets a little too shot happy from outside this year. So far we've seen him get inside and that's been great. You know, yesterday, 50% shooting 16 points, 16 points is nothing to, uh, to sniff your nose at right there. That's it's a good performance. Yeah. It seems like Moore and Gillespie have almost switched their games a little bit. Point. More shot has been so good. We're fine with take him taking that. Colin needs to get into the to the lane more and vice versa. Yeah, I feel the same way. And and one more thing about Colin too, and this it leads into everything because it, it really is just what their role is on this team, right? I wonder if it's a fear from the injury and still mm-hmm. working back from it. That could very easily be the option, but Moore has solidified himself as a bonafide score on Definitely this Definitely has. So maybe Gillespie doesn't feel the pressure to have to do that because Moore can. And great point. Gillespie has the personal accolades that he's searching for. The Woodens, the... Is it Bob Cousy is the point guard? Mm-hmm. Right, the point guard award. He's on the watch list for that. The style of play that he has seemed to be in now doesn't seem super prevalent for that, but right now he's still, he's still the team's leading ball distributor. He's still finding the hot hand when it matters. How many unbelievable assists did he have on Tuesday night to a wide open Brandon Slater on the wing? Just almost every single possession. It seems like Collins making the right decision. So maybe this is just going to be a continuation. We'll see it flux a little bit, but hopefully that is, it, it's what elevates him from other point guards, mm-hmm. him being able to make contact and exploit the mismatch. And we definitely haven't seen that so far. I think so. And I, I think you really did hit it in that I believe it's just a little bit of a transformation of the team and that yeah. Justin Moore is getting more comfortable going inside. So Gillespie is able to kind of stand at the three point line and become a knockdown shooter, which there isn't an issue with. <laughs> so yeah. I, like I said, just an observation on that. If we're looking at observations too, with another guy that played well, According to Ken Palm, the most efficient player for Villanova on offense yesterday was Eric Dixon. You know, Say it again, Pat. Say Eric it again, please. Dixon, the, the way that Dixon has influenced game so far this season, I think has was remember the first game of the season. We said, oh, we'd like to see a little bit more from him. He was, of course, great against UCLA. He was very good again on Tuesday night. Nine board, uh, nine points, excuse me, seven boards, three assists. And the the word I use to describe what I've seen from Eric Dixon and, and what I saw specifically on Tuesday is maturity. And that is not how you would have described his game from a year ago. We're seeing tip outs from him. Now we're seeing great footwork underneath the basket. He's shown an ability to distribute the ball on kickouts to find the open man. I'm so, so impressed with what I've seen from Eric Dixon and <laughs> Ooh, it's, it's what we've heard about. It's it was the promised land for, for Dixon. We're, we're finally starting to see it. 
Yeah, you're on it today, Pat. I love it. Dixon is getting dangerously close to the the double-double territory, Mm -hmm. right? And that's averaging a double-double, not just one-offs. That's how much he's elevated his game so far. I completely agree. I think mature is a great way. It's confidence. It's finally letting his basketball IQ run things instead of his fear that he's going to turn it over or his fear that he's going to be mismatched mismatched against a bigger opponent that's not what that is not what's running the show right now right now what's running the show for Dixon is that he is incredibly confident with his footwork in the post he is backing down bigger opponents and tipping it out which is something I actually think the broadcast brought this up I I think Donnie Marshall actually made a really funny point about it he was like maybe they are so accustomed in practice to making these shots of passing them back out that it's just become the grain that's just what they do now but you're right. When you have that type of offense, when you're putting up that many shots, that's what Eric Dixon needs to be. And they won the offensive rebound game in mm-hmm. this one too. That's going to be a huge thing to look out for on Tennessee. I have some really good numbers about Tennessee's offensive yeah. rebounding, but you're right. Every single game Dixon takes a step forward and he's adding even more on offense than I think anybody expected way more than I expected. So to have that, to have the really good slot shot selection, to have that lefty hook, which is just mm-hmm. beautiful to watch and then to continue to see him putting together on defense every, every single game, he's going to get better. I agree. The progression you've seen there in just three games, you know, from a year ago is it, they're huge strides. So I, yeah. it, it's great to see. And then you want to hit the, uh, the bench before we get into the negatives then. Yeah. I have one more, uh, one more positive too. Oh yeah. Yeah. But we can talk about the bench. Yeah. Caleb Daniels, nine points, 22 minutes. Let's talk about arch first. Okay. What did you think about his defense? Because I think it was, squarely a weakness in the UCLA game at at times that it actually hurt the team. I thought at times he was exposed on switches, Mm -hmm. but overall I think he's slowly but surely starting to adjust to just the really quick guard play that they're going to see a lot all season long. Quick guard play is exactly where I would go with this. I don't think it was great on defense from him where the quickness kind of was exploited or for him, his lack of quickness at times, he does get into correct positions. You rarely see him lost out there. It just, it can be difficult for him to keep up with some of the faster guards. Uh, I didn't think it was bad. like stood out as bad by any means. Uh, Offensively. I think he did a really nice job. Four points, four assists. That's what you would ask for Chris Archdiakno. So there's nothing wrong with that. Defensively. I, I don't think it was great, but I don't think it was great would be the nicest thing I think you could say about Villanova on defense on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. Okay, before we segue there, did you have anything else? Or oh, I guess we could talk about uh, the freshman too. I was, was going to finish with the freshman, exactly. I just want to say it first, free throws. That was mm-hmm. by far the most positive thing about this day. 26 of 26 from the free throw line. And Justin Moore actually did miss a shot, but I think it got ruled back because yes. of the lane violation. Correct. And he was able to sink the next one. So perfect. I think it's something after the UCLA game, especially that Jay Wright probably made them run a hundred laps for, and it obviously paid off because in a game like this, it might not matter. And a game that's closer, it certainly will. And all these, not all these guys need to be getting to the line more period. And that's actually fits in well to the Gillespie more conversation we were have, we were having earlier. Gillespie does really well when he can get to the free throw line because he's one of the best free throw shooters in the country. Mm-hmm. And Samuels is solidifying himself as one of those guys too. If Dixon continue to get the, can continue to get to the line, if Slater can get a few more free throws, that's where this team I think can really grow. That it's not necessarily a weakness right now, but they can get that up and just get some easy points. 
No, I think that's a really good point. And to, to what you talked about with the free throws, first off, as you said, 26 out of 26, I do think it was important actually, because think of Villanova kind of shoots more of a normal number and say they make, you know, 19 or 20 of those 26 games, a lot closer than the 19 point, uh, you know, lead that it ended up being just, they, they shot perfect from the line. Another thing to look at it, 89% through three games from the foul line, even with the UCLA game being a little subpar, that's the best of any team in a major conference in the country through three games. So Oh, wow. Good yeah, I thank you very much. Uh, so I think I, I think you got to be pretty happy with with that. Yeah, I agree. All right. Let's let's talk about the freshmen and it'll mm-hmm. probably segue into some negatives anyway. Sure. Uh, first, Jordan Longino. I thought mm-hmm. this was a great game for him. 14 minutes only was one for four from the floor, but he did sink that three. So he finished with five points and two assists. He is that long athletic guard that's really fitting in in Brian Antoine's wake. I think you can see a lot of flashes of similarity. Longino's really good in transition. Yep. He's still finding his way defensively and his he's still finding that, that way with that shot. Mm-hmm. Well, first thing is how many laps do you think he ran today in practice for throwing up the three when the shot clock had expired? Was uh, there was no shot clock that could have dribbled <laughs> out the clock? That was not good. Yes. Nope. They did get to a hundred though. Uh, first time since 2018. I'm sure that's so, what he was looking for. <laughs> that's exactly what he was looking for, but I'm sure Jay uh, had a nice little chat with him about yeah. that. Um, not sure there was much chatting to be honest with you. No, was yeah, just get, screaming. Ne- yeah. Never mind. Uh, but <laughs> yes, you're, you're completely right. 14 minutes from him too. That is, you know, it's more than I would have guessed. I, I think what it shows you is that the coaching staff is starting to feel a little more comfortable with him. I think of the three freshmen that are really playing, and of course, Angelo's going to redshirt this year. Um, he looks the best on defense, just as you said, with that athleticism and kind of explosiveness, he's able to close shooting lanes really well. He had a steal again. He's able to run in transition. Uh, we both thought Trey Patterson was going to be the freshman that really featured the most, but through the first couple games, it's if I say first couple games and they, none of them played against UCLA, but through the two games where the freshmen did play, literally the couple games, <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, Longino has been the one that seems to get the most run. Yeah. It's disappointing because we thought it was going to be Trey Patterson. And because there was so much talk that he wasn't a freshman this year, he wasn't considered a freshman mm-hmm. this year, but that being said, it's going to be trust with all of these guys, all yep. three of these guys. And I agree with you. I, I think Longino looked good in the minutes that he was out there. There's obviously still a lot of work to be done. And now to talk about Nana and Joku, four minutes, two points, three rebounds. I'll just say this. This was not Nana and Joku's type of game. No. He can't guard guards. <laughs> what would he have done in this game? There was no paint play from either team. It was too high tempo for him. I understand that you'd like to give him minutes, but for a while, this game was too close to really mess around on a defense that was already struggling. Mm-hmm. He still isn't a hundred percent acclimated to the program. And I'll repeat that for emphasis. He has not practiced much at all this off season. And that is why he has such a short leash because he does not really know what's going on in practice because he hasn't been practicing so that was my biggest takeaway. This is not the game to rail on Nana and Joku no, and on no, Jay no. Wright's decision to not play him. I get that we want to see him more to see what he can do, but this was just not the type of game for the big man to go in and prove what he can do. It wasn't that type of game. So it's not to rail on Jay for his use of it, but I did find it odd that Njoku was the first freshman off the bench and then didn't come back in until 45 seconds left in the game. Yeah, that I was find, interesting. I find that a little strange. 
but I do agree with you that this is not the, this, this game did not fit trying to acclimate a freshman to your system, especially right. a freshman big man like that. I also think that's why I didn't see too much of Trey, only five minutes compared to Njoku's four. He's still finding his feet, especially defensively. I thought he looked a little more comfortable out there on offense, but defensively, you can definitely see that he's still working on finding positioning and things like that. Yeah, and can I say too, not to spin everything in a positive light, but I really do think this is a good thing. The reason why the freshmen are getting less minutes is because Eric Dixon is playing so well. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want, right? That's, good point. <laughs> that's what we want. We want Eric Dixon to be coming into himself and being the five that he ha- has the expectation to be. And it's disappointing, again, to not see Trey Patterson and for Nana Njoku's offseason to go the way that it did so that he's still getting acclimated. But the reason why this isn't a glaring panic and oh my God, Villanova has no depth and no front court presence, period is because Eric Dixon is good, mm-hmm. and that's what we want. Yep. No, no, so, you're, you're yeah, completely to, right. Just to say that. <laughs> no, it's true. Uh, all right, we, we've we waited on this one long enough. We it's, have. It's Let us good. transition. Oh, Let got, us transition I've to the defense. Numbers. Okay, so I will, I will uh, throw it to you, and I mm-hmm. will just say that Villanova's offense put up 100, mm-hmm. and they also let a Howard offense put up 81. So I, walking out of the pavilion yesterday, I, I know they scored 100 and I didn't feel great because I could not get out of my head that Howard scored 81. And there are some numbers to go with it. I mean, just thinking about it, Howard had more points per possession than UCLA did against Villanova, just to, to show what they were able to put up. Nova has now allowed 80 points twice this season. Of course, 80 over 80 to UCLA. That was an overtime game and now 81 to Howard here. They only allowed 80 points twice all of last season. And it was Creighton and I believe Virginia tech early in the season. So they've already matched that through three games. They've matched their total for 80 points allowed. The transition D is rough right now. They, they are struggling to with teams that push pace with guards that are fast. I thought Elijah Hawkins was really impressive. Yes. He turned the ball over a ton, but he took it to Villanova and he ran at them and he forced them to try and get into position and to try to beat them to the spot. And he beat them to the spot many, many times. Um, I understand the school of thought in that Howard just didn't miss, which is very true for, for most of the game. But I'm, (laughs) I'm also enough to say I'm concerned about this Villanova defense. Oh, I think definitely concern yeah. is, is the word to say. Yeah, you said a lot there trying to figure out where to start. I know. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no, it's a good thing because all those all those points were really good. I don't have the I have Howard's defense Ken Palm rating mm-hmm. uh, up in front of me, but I don't have their offense or their tempo, which I think would have been nice stats to have at this point. But whatever. Um, I've got it if you want it. Uh, yeah. Can you can you say tempo first? Tempo is 178th, though they did definitely push against Villanova because they know Villanova is uncomfortable against that. And this is the scary thing. Offense is 156th. Yeah. So I'll just let those numbers sink for a second. 156. Excuse me. So with a team like UCLA and the the tempo that you know they're going to bring, right? Mm -hmm. That's something you game plan against. Now it seems like other teams have the luxury to force Villanova to play transition defense because Mm -hmm. they know how bad it is. And that is not a good position to be in. Howard should not be able to run Villanova's defense off the court. Bottom line, it it cannot 
be that bad for the majority of this game, or at least the majority of the first half. I was thinking, this is just too absurd. Howard is too absurd in this game. Villanova had a very good offensive first half, and Howard was just on another planet. I get that the defense was bad, but you're going to start missing shots at some point, and then Mm -hmm. things will look a little better. And then Howard didn't, and then the defense continued to struggle. And there were definitely peaks and valleys. I thought the defense looked better, better at the start of the second half, and then it fell off again. And fatigue wasn't an issue in this game. Nope. The different sets that they used weren't an issue because they tried the zone and it didn't work. They tried the three-quarter court press, and that was actually the worst thing because yeah, they were it didn't able work to at all. Yeah, they were able to just throw shots up seemingly from half court and Villanova's defense was never set. And then man-to-man really didn't work because the shots were falling. So so what you're saying is nothing worked. <laughs> I don't know what you do. Like, my thought also was, I don't know what Jay Wright does in this game. How do you game plan against this? How do you just make your guards better? Because again, and we said this about UCLA, which is so bad, the, Howard's guards were just better on offense than Villanova guards were on defense. And that can't happen against Howard. I get the respect for every opponent, but Howard is not a game that we should be talking about this. We should not be talking about this on a Howard offense or a Howard defense. No. And that's what like UCLA, they score 86 on you. I think was the number 85. Yeah, you don't even blink. Head. Yeah. No, 86. It's, it's yeah. Juzang. It's Hakez. Like, you know how good they are on offense. Shall 81 to Howard that opens your eyes. And the thing is too, when I, I watching the game and then watching it back after too, I didn't find a player that I looked at and was like, Oh, that was just disaster on D it. There isn't the, the Cole Swider we'll say, which I'm mm-hmm. sorry to say to Cole Swider, but we know that teams targeted him and just went at him. That, that didn't well, that's a happen. really good point, Pat. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't just pinpointing a guy to go at every time and, and taking advantage of that. It just felt like nothing got into rhythm, that they weren't closing down shots as well, that there was open space for Howard to get into, that they were able to, Howard was able to have really good ball movement, you know, and to find some open threes. And that's just, it's incredibly concerning, especially going into a weekend where they're going to play most likely two really top tier teams that are going to punish you as Howard did, of course, but Howard also turned the ball over 14 times and missed and only got to the foul line 13 times. That's where the difference was in this game uh, because both teams shot 30 of 53 right. from the field and both teams shot almost well power did shoot 50% and Villanova was 47% from deep. So when you put all that together, it was so close, but it just shouldn't have been. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And it's so funny because Villanova fans have been so sensitive to the, the size disadvantage mm-hmm. and I feel like at points they loaded the box to try and get rid of any Howard threat. And none of the big men on Howard had particularly, particularly great games, which I guess is a small positive, but now we're opening a new can of worms. Now we're realizing how bad the guard defense is. Mm -hmm. And and that is definitely a problem that maybe not many people saw coming. I am nervous that Archie Diacono might be the target that opposing teams start to pick up on maybe Caleb Daniels, but Colin Gillespie just needs to be better on defense. More just needs to be better on defense. I mean, Brandon Slater was not switching well. Mm-hmm. Brandon Slater wasn't picking up on baseline cuts, and you never see that. So it was an off night. We need to see improvement quickly because, again, 
the opponents are only going to get better. How are Kennedy Chandler and John Fulkerson going to look when we play Tennessee on Saturday against that type of defense? It's not going to be pretty if, if things don't change. No, not at all. So it's, I think everyone can be very excited with the offense as they should be. The fact that Brandon Slater has gone from four points a game to someone that is putting up around 20 is, you know, monumental for this team and looking for secondary and tertiary scoring. I think we can all be really excited about having Gillespie back and and showing that three point ability as a sharpshooter and one of the best shooters in the country. But that defense is a serious question. It's something we spotlighted going into the season saying, we're not sure how good it's going to be. We'll see if the offense can mask it. It can at times, like I think you saw on Tuesday, the offense master, they scored a hundred points. Um, but you know, are you going to be able to do that consistently against some top tier non-conference opponents? And then as we're seeing from the Gavit games, as we'll talk about here, as we go towards the end, some pretty strong and very difficult conference opponents as well. Yeah. Howard's defense was, was really bad. Howard's defense yes. was worse. Yes, it was. <laughs> so, so that's why we're able to talk. About. Yeah. I, I did think they continued to do a, a good job forcing turnovers. I think that's definitely a, a strength for this defense, but they just got to lock it down. So the question is, what do you think they're going to roll with in the future? What's the easy fix for this? Because I went into this game thinking, okay, this is the game where you experiment the three court quarter, the three quarter court press, right? That's, That's I was excited to see that. Yeah, it is a mouthful. (laughs) I was excited to see that. I was excited to see Slater run the point. I was excited to try and see them force Howard into a longer game as opposed to just chucking up that shots. And as we saw, that was the opposite of what happened. So what's the move if if it was you? Uh, The first thing is, I don't think there is one. You know, I, I think these are the guys that are going to be out there. I, I What I do think it comes down to is positioning, and that's going to see what they want to run. You know, if they feel that the best thing on defense is going to be to go in that press and try and force mistakes, knowing they're going to get beat sometimes, you know, in transition, or if we see them go away from it and just go back on defense and get set into your positions because they can't mm-hmm. afford to try and be that aggressive and force those turnovers. I think that is kind of the story we're going to be watching defensively. The other thing is, you know, you talk about experimenting. Villanova is going to have opportunities to do that. There are going to be some games where they just blow teams out because the offense is that good. Right. This one just happened to not be that because A, the defense is really poor. And B, as we said, it was still, you know, one of the most incredible performances I have ever seen from a road team coming into the pavilion to shoot the way that Howard did. Yeah, we actually should have said that at the beginning. That's a really good point. How, again, Howard put up 81 points. They shot 71% from three at a long portion of this game. Mm-hmm. They played exceptionally exceptionally well but i agree with you i think they play conservatively on defense at least for the short-term future Mm -hmm. just because they've got to start plugging some holes and then maybe with those weaker big five opponents they get a little a little bit of confidence back and they're able to try and force mistakes now they cannot afford to not have their defense set because even when their defense is set they still seem to struggle when that defense isn't set, it's like it's not even there. So yep. against these tough opponents this weekend, I think you pay you play conservatively, and then you just hope that everybody is on on the offense. And the broadcast made another good point about this too. The offense doesn't have a lot of rope, a lot of leniency because there are only six guys playing. So all mm-hmm. of those guys have to be on, and that is a huge a, a huge thing to shoulder because you might not be on every single game and if you have to rely on a weak defense. So there are a lot of things that needs to be worked on. That being said, they did put up a hundred. Howard did have an insane game. And I think Villanova will, 
will continue to play up to its opponent as it goes on too. Yeah, no, this is clearly a very, very talented Villanova team. I just, it left a sour taste in my mouth. Yes. 81 at home to Howard. In a game that you didn't expect that to happen Mm -hmm. at all. Yeah, we've been just downright terrible in our predictions so far. Maybe we should just stop giving predictions because they haven't been good or close. And at this last game, we probably jinxed them. So I don't know about that. Thank God I haven't gambled on any of these games. (laughs) (laughs) On our predictions? Yeah, Yeah. man. (laughs) That would be brutal. Yeah, absolutely. Want to move into the weekend? Yeah, I think that's all I had on that game. I am wildly excited to play Tennessee on Saturday. It's at Mohegan Sun. I'm going to the game. I I was just going to say, our own Emma Houghton will be there. I am super excited, and I believe I will be writing a recap for Hoop. so make sure to check that out. Tennessee, they're within the top 20. They've only played two games so far this Mm -hmm. season, and they have both been 30 to 32-point blowouts, so take everything we say with a grain of salt because they obviously haven't played high competition yet. But the thing that really stuck out to me, a few things, and I think we can go into all of them. It's how they're able to spread out minutes across their full team. They do not turn the ball over very often and they are so good at rebounding. So just quickly on the minutes per game, again, these are both in blowouts, but 10 players on Tennessee so far average more than 11 minutes a game 10 players 11 mm-hmm. minutes a game jordan longino had 14 against howard to put that in perspective and that was a lot for him but they are getting a lot of production from nearly every single player on that roster and that is very scary when you think about the the lack of depth that villanova has right now Rick Barnes has built one heck of a team and he is one heck of a coach as well. Um, You know, you look at it and you mentioned the rebounding and I think it has to be said um, they had 23 and 19 offensive rebounds in their first two games. That is not counting defensive rebounds, just offensive. They are averaging 48 and a half rebounds a game through the first two games. So Wow. First off, um, Villanova's <laughs> averaging wow. 29, uh, just yep. to give you a little bit of a comparison. Yes, the competition is not even close to the same with Villanova going up against UCLA. Tennessee has played Tennessee Martin and East Tennessee State, both at home. Um, what I'm really looking forward to here is getting a look at Kennedy Chandler. As you said, mm-hmm. you know, freshman five-star guard coming in. We talked about it on our, our preview about the, the matchup of the young freshman five-star here going up against Colin Gillespie, I think is just so tantalizing to think about. Chandler's been as good as advertised, if not better. 18 points, three boards, five assists in his for, uh, averaging in his first uh, two collegiate games is really, really impressive. Guy that really scares me from the start that they have, uh, they've been on so far is Olivier Kumwa. It's a very difficult name. I think I actually got that one. Good um, one, Pat. Thank wow, you very much. Claps. Love thank that. you. I'm trying. Um, 17 points to the first two games, averaging 11 boards to go with it. So as I said, these, these are some monsters on the glass. Uh, it's a tough matchup. I, I think Villanova can win it with their shooting because Villanova is a better shooting team than this Tennessee squad, but they're tough. They're big, they're athletic, and they're going to bring you a, an imposing interior presence. Yeah. Well said. Uh, I do give Colin Gillespie the advantage in a super senior to freshman mm-hmm. matchup as good as Kennedy Chandler is. Can you say the pronunciation one more time of the big guy? Olivier and Kumwa. And Kumwa. Oh, excuse me. Olivier Kumwa, not and Kumwa. <laughs> the N is uh, the silent N. Ah, yes. Uh, yes. Um, 
the crazy thing about Tennessee is that the big man that we expected to be talking about was John Fulkerson. Mm -hmm. And they instead have gotten all of that production from Kumwa. So they are incredibly well spread out and incredibly balanced team. Like I said, they really don't turn the ball over often, despite their youth. They're a really good mix of experience and youth. They keep the ball. They are so physical. Talk about a test for Eric Dixon. This is it. This mm-hmm. is where we're really going to see how he will fare against other big men. And then here is where I had their Ken Palm numbers. So they're 173rd in tempo, according to, to Ken Palm. So hopefully transition D won't be as much of a concern in this game because yeah. Tennessee also likes to slow it down and call their plays and get up the best shot possible. Another thing that I meant to say, I'll give you their, their two game shooting percentages from three. 17 for 40 from three in game one, 40 three-point attempts. And then they were 10 for 23 from three in game two. So mm-hmm. like Howard, they are volume shooters. They will not shy away from putting up shots, Kennedy Chandler especially. And here's the, the real kicker. They are fifth in all of the country in defense, according to Ken Palm. Howard was 321st to put that in perspective. So this is it. I can't wait. We're going to see a lot of weaknesses. I will say that we will see a lot of weaknesses, but I will also say that I do think Villanova can be the superior team if they shoot well and they can eliminate at least Kennedy Chandler. They've got to eliminate one of those scorers on offense mm-hmm. for Tennessee. The number three offense, according to Ken Palm, against the number five defense. It's yeah. uh, it, it's quite the interesting awesome. matchup. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's going to be a great game on Saturday. I think we we all have to be pretty pumped about getting an opportunity to watch that. And again, it's another big early season test. I know Tennessee, I believe, is ranked 17 in the AP poll. I think they're better than 17, in all honesty. I, I, I think they're closer to top 10. This is a really good Tennessee team that I only expect to get better throughout the season as they gel a little bit more. Um, this is a big matchup, you know, and it, it's a big opportunity for Villanova to come out there, especially I'm imagining they have a bad taste in their mouth, giving up 81. Oh, to Howard. yeah. So I, I want to see how they respond against a really talented Tennessee team. Oh, my gosh. Well, first of all, you think they're a top 10 team? You want to move I, I them think, seven points up? I think close to top 10. Wow. That's a big jump. Maybe mm-hmm. it's because of the inexperience. And I, I could see them moving up quicker too. Uh, talk about leaving a bad taste in their mouth. I, I talked to Brandon Slater in a press conference after UCLA, and I said to him, you did a really good job guarding Johnny Juzang in the first half. Can you tell me what your takeaway was from that? Basically, how did you do that? How did you eliminate one of the best scorers in the country? And his response was, it wasn't enough because we lost. Mm. Take that and put it into giving up 81 to Howard. These guys are going to be so hungry. I I can't wait. I actually, they're going to go out with a vengeance. Everything we just said, they are going to play so hard on defense because they still believe we still believe this is a top five team in the country. This is a final four ceiling team. If they have to improve that defense, they are going to do everything in their power to do that. And I think they love that they have a big test coming up against Tennessee. I think Mm -hmm. Eric Dixon loves that he gets to go up against against these big guys i think jordan longino is psyched that he got 14 minutes he wants more maybe we'll see more of nana and joku in this game there are a lot of things that they can continue to build upon and this is where you want at mohegan sun in a hall of fame tip-off game with the potential of unc or purdue the next day this is it this is what you want 
Yeah, you mentioned the rotation. Definitely be following that pretty closely because we'll be closer to the UCLA game where we don't see the freshman. Uh, or will he give some of them, any of them, you know, a little bit of run to help lengthen this bench? Uh, I think, you know, as we're only in a three game sample size so far, uh, really want to see that kind of expand and see what the game plan is going to be going further, especially against some better competition. Yeah, definitely. And it's funny, too, because Jay Wright made it very clear that it was a man's game against UCLA Mm -hmm. and it was just too close to give the freshman any time. But also he didn't give his freshman much time in a 19 point game. So there, there is a bit of a discrepancy. I understand. And like I said, I, I don't believe this was the game for Nana and Joku against Howard, but at what point does it become that type of game? You know, mm-hmm. if it's a high scoring game or if it's a one possession game, it seems like no. something's got to give at some point, as long as he continues to practice and put in good practices. Yeah, no, that's fair. And then it, it leads in, you know, interestingly enough here to, to a question we got from Patrick Madden, then thinking to Sunday's game, uh, does the lack of front court depth present a problem facing either UNC or Purdue? So I think the easy answer is yes. Mm-hmm. And the lack of front court depth, I think, could be a weakness or a disadvantage, whatever word Patrick used, against any opponent. Sure. <clears throat> but against Purdue, especially, we mentioned them a little bit in our non conference schedule preview. Nobody can match up against Travion Williams. So that matchup terrifies me. If we don't get them, I will be ecstatic. <laughs> UNC has a lot of offensive issues that could make Villanova run a little bit, which is his own thing. But bottom line, yes, if Villanova has to play Purdue, that front court battle is going to be something, to yes. say the least. Now, bottom line, yes, exactly as Emma said. You know, Trevion Williams, just for his last game that Purdue played, which was against Wright State, he had 20 points and 13 rebounds. That's a huge <laughs> stat line. He did it in 20 minutes. He played half the game and put up 20 points and 13 rebounds. He's a stud. We talk about him in their, in their front court. We haven't mentioned Zach Eady as well. Yeah. Do you know is how he tall o- he is off the top seven, of your head? Seven, one. How dare you insult him? He's seven foot four. Seven four. <laughs> Are you kidding me? If you called someone seven foot four, you'd be like, oh, that's an exaggeration. You're obviously making that up. No, this dude's legit seven foot four. And there's yeah, chance- I didn't know seven foot four people existed. I literally have never heard of someone being seven foot four. That person is on a different mountain than where I stand yes. on based on my stature. Yes. But <laughs> it's you know, he's averaging 19 points and 10 rebounds. Add him to Travion Williams, and it, it's as tough a matchup as it could be. We're not really gonna go into Purdue UNC because there's no point in trying to do a preview without knowing the opponent. Um, the one thing with Purdue, their one weakness I've really seen so far through three games, and there are not many being that the, the number two offense and number 19 defense through those first three games is that they turn the ball over a lot. They've had 17, 12 and 10 turnovers in their first three games and Villanova, as we know, defensively, not great at making stops, but they can force turnovers. So might be something you have to look out there. And then quickly on UNC, as you said, for that front court too, Armando Baycott is a stud for them. Yeah, he's so um, good. We have seen some progression. They've done exactly what Hubert Davis wanted them to do. They're shooting three a lot better. They're pushing the tempo. Uh, So you're starting to see, you know, him kind of put some imprints in. It's still so early in the season. UNC would be a much better matchup for this Villanova team. If it is Purdue that they end up playing on Sunday, I can't say I'm super confident in that one, but Hey, you know, we'll see. This is, this is still a very good Villanova team. Yeah, I agree with you. I would give Purdue the advantage. I would give Villanova over Villanova the advantage over UNC if we want to Mm -hmm. say it explicitly I always love playing schools like UNC and I know you feel the same way about what I'm just going to say 
I love watching Villanova beat up on one and done schools because experience wins every single time. And as good as all those recruits are, and they are, I still think Villanova is the better constructed team. And that really matters. I will not go as far as to say Villanova will beat up on UNC if they are to play, but I do think they have the advantage in that game. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I, beat up, from... beat up in the the philosophical way. Yes, if you no, know what I, I mean. I totally yeah. get that. And then want to do some Big East before we finish up with a couple yes. of questions. Big week for the Big East. So we recorded the episode that dropped on Tuesday, Monday night before those two games ended. So we'll start there. Providence started it off with these Gavit games, a 63 mm-hmm. to 58 win over Wisconsin. Talk about Travion Williams stats. Nate Watson is the man, 24.6 rebounds and a block. And then the game of the night on Big Monday, one. this one was absolutely exceptional. I think you and I actually finished recording. I watched the last 30 seconds of that game. Yep. Yep. And both. it was all that we needed because it was exactly. so good. Marquette 67. 66 it was everything in this game it was it came down to the literally the last play it was a steal by Tyler Colick Colick I think is his name and they were able to to get to the line and score it was unbelievable Dara Morsell 21 points in our Big East conference breakdown we wondered if he could bring offense we knew how good his defense was he's doing pretty well for himself right now Pat the offense is working just fine uh, I would say so. I, I was very happy with both of those, you know, it's especially in these non-conference games, it's great to, to root for the big East so they can really, you know, strengthen up and make those resumes look better as yep. we get into March. I mean, you know, you talk about Shaka smart, of course, coming over there and trying to change the culture, change everything about it. Cause this was, we know all about the problems of the Wojo era with the golden Eagles. They come out there, they play a very good Illinois team and they force 26 turnovers havoc it's 26 so i guess they're listening to shaka smart and that he's starting to get those philosophies ingrained over there pretty quickly because that was so impressive and then you move to tuesday night where we had another two games where the big east came out on top creighton winning over nebraska and then seton hall going on the road and taking down number four michigan and what truly was a shocker I still don't think this is going to be the best Seton Hall team this year because I don't know if there's enough scoring, but that defense, it looks legit so far. And, and what a win for them. One of, one of the biggest they've had in a, in a while. Yeah, and Georgetown won. Come on, you keep, keep yeah, disrespecting I Georgetown, Pat. I man. did. I did. Uh, yeah, Big East continues its dominance. The Seton Hall game was something. I don't think Michigan looked very good at all. No, they didn't. I, that, that was my biggest takeaway. They did not look like a top five team in the country at all. They have Hunter Dickinson. And that's pretty much it. Just as one side now about the Illinois game, because I think it does have to be mentioned. Kofi Coburn did not play. Pretty important. He is a menace. He is an absolute menace when he is in. Uh, Seton Hall, the funny thing is that I didn't think Jared Roden looked all that great. And he was, I believe he was a preseason All Big East first team selection. Yeah, he was. Right? That he was. And I don't think he was still playing at his ceiling. And Seton Hall still came away with a 2.1. So Seton Hall's got some time to make things click, but you're right. For both for so many teams in the Big East, for Seton Hall and for Marquette especially, they've got the defense set. And now they just need 
their offense to come along. That's a pretty good place to be in. Mm-hmm. I think I would rather be in that place than the alternative, which is kind of where, kind of where Villanova is at right now. They've got the <laughs> offense. They just need the defense to come along. I will take where Villanova is compared to Seton Hall, but true, uh, true. on Obiagu, especially uh, he is a monster on the, especially on the defensive side of the ball four blocks, you know, and, and we know how good he is uh, on, on the glass as well. Miles Kale's a really good defender. Roden shows the length there. They're a tough team because of how strong they can be on defense. So mm-hmm. you know, a, a huge win for the Pirates. I believe the Big East is 26 and three now to start the season because we will throw in there that Butler got did not look good. Uh, as we recorded yeah. this, Michigan State was able to come away with then. So 26 and three, St. John's, Indiana going on as we record, obviously. Won't know how that turns out until after we publish this. Uh, but 26 and three to start the season, not bad. Not bad at all. It gets really serious competition too. Mm-hmm. You're right. I selfishly always root. Well, I root for the Big East because I love it, but I also selfishly root for the Big East because I want these, any losses that Villanova might have in conference to look better. And yeah. right now they all will look pretty good. And I will go back on what I said. I am obviously very happy that Villanova's offense is the way that it is <laughs> I would right say now. you, I was surprised <laughs> by that uh, proclamation right there. I am very happy, but when you see the defense that Marquette yes. is putting together, I think everybody gets a little jealous. Yes, no, that that's understandable. And we still have Ohio State Xavier, I believe, yeah. on Thursday night, as well as Rutgers DePaul, which is actually a little more interesting than I think people would have thought of you looked at this because, you know, Rutgers, of course, had the big year last year and DePaul has put up some points to start the season. So some uh, some really fun matchups as the Gavit games always do. Yeah, I love that you're giving DePaul some credit. They deserve it. I'll hype them up. Hype them up, Pat. Go off. No, I'll hype them up now because I'm not sure I'll be doing the same thing in a month. But <laughs> yeah, I am also so excited for St. John's, Indiana. I think that's going to be as high a scoring game as ever with just absolutely frantic offense on both sides. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great matchup. So we'll see if the Johnnies can pull it out at Assembly Hall. But yeah, I'll say it again. Five bids in the Big East. I'm confident in it now. I'm confident Scene Hall is going to be that fifth team. Oh, wow. Interesting. I'm, I'm going to stay yep. at four, but you know, we still got time. Yep. Um, all right. That leads us into then we've got two questions to round this thing out and we'll, we'll send it to the weekend. Yeah. Start us off. Thank you so much, everybody who, who gave us questions. We love doing these fun ones too. Yeah, absolutely. So we have these questions from Rob Anselm, who has submitted questions before. Thank you, Rob. And we answered one on Tuesday's episode, and we'll finish up with the last two. More some fun questions here. What game or sport could you confidently say you might be able to beat a Villanova player in? So I'll go with the obvious one first, and I do have a fun answer. I think I could beat any Villanova player in in, in basketball, I almost just said. No, probably not. Probably not. Um, In softball. I think I could be any Villanova basketball player. And I think I will just proclaim this because some people need to hear it more than others. Pitching in softball is so hard and the way it's only 60 feet. So it it comes at you so much quicker. It is not as easy to hit a softball from a pitcher 60 feet away as some people might think. But Mm. then my fun answer is I'm actually kind of nasty at badminton. So I would love to play some Villanova basketball players in badminton because I think I would give them a run for their money. I, I like that a lot. Uh, my answer would be absolutely nothing. Um, could I confidently say I'd be able to <laughs> Come on, it? Pat. I, Frisbee, handball. I was going to say, I will say I had a very successful uh, intramural career at Villanova. Yeah. Um, got, you know, got a couple shirts to say the least. So exciting uh, there, but uh, I have no shot. 
Wow. Now you made me come off. Set. I'm sounding so cocky. No, like, so I love that you believe in your ability. I have <laughs> I'm no so chance. athletically inclined. I, I oh, you were the flag football star. Please. <laughs> we, we had some fun times with flag football, handball and, uh, and frisbee. Some, some good championships to go there. Yeah. Uh, one more question as well. Uh, most random fact, you know, yeah, this was such a good question. I'm so one. happy we got it. It is tough. Can you, can you go first? I mean, so the thing is, I don't have one to go off of just off the top of my head, which now I feel bad kind of answering both this way. But I will say I'm a major just like history trivia nerd. I love things like that. Uh, I love learning about history and just being able to recite uh, trivia. Have one quizzo before at Flippin' Bailey's back in the day Mm. uh, at Villanova. So shout out to my team, the uh, Tequila Mockingbirds um for oh my our, God. our win that's so nerdy and i oh, love of course it. listen that's a mockingbird it's great um wow. and so you know all stuff like that love you know i can go with jeopardy from time to time but uh I, I don't have something off the top of my head but i do i will say i really like stuff like that yeah that's okay that's a good answer i was gonna ask how often you play trivia i think it's so fun even if you're bad and if you're good it just must be such a good feeling at villanova all the time went to yeah. went to flips for uh, for those quiz nights but uh, unfortunately not since graduation we did have a pandemic we graduated into as well which probably slowed that up that thing yeah yeah oh yeah about that <laughs> um so mine i I'm, I'm not gonna get too deep into the weeds here i hope rob wasn't expecting like how many heartbeats a minute frogs have or something like that. That would be know that. Are you kidding me? (laughs) A really good random fact. Mine is that I can quote almost every single line from the friends episode, the one where everybody finds out. And that is probably the most random thing that I know. I respect that. I thought you were going to say I can recite every word to every Taylor Swift song. Um, knowing your fandom there. Yes, unfortunately for you, I do not consider that something abnormal. So <laughs> I, can, I consider that the norm, but my friend's knowledge, I do consider a little bit abnormal. So I won't go into it. You know, I, I don't know if that needs to be happened. They don't know that we know that they know. But yeah, that's it. I love yeah. it. I love it. Those are some yeah. great answers from you. Look, at Thank that. you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Thank you, Rob. Thank and then you. to end off, we mentioned last week that we're yes. going to talk about some reviews in the future we got a really nice review from a dcvu so thank you so much for that complimenting our takeover from eugene and chris we learned from the best obviously yes so make sure to get your reviews into apple Podcasts. leave us a question about villanova basketball about ourselves and we will read them off every thursday definitely so thank you so much for for leaving that review and We'll, we'll keep at it, I guess. But all right, that'll do it for us here on the State of the Nova Nation presented by VU Hoops. There are some awesome articles you can check out on VU Hoops if you're looking for more on the Howard game, game recap, as well as three takeaways. And of course, there will be more throughout the week as we move into a big weekend at Mohegan Sun. Be sure to subscribe to the show, leave a rating as well, and follow us on Twitter at Pod. Go Cats. Everyone have a great weekend. Enjoy all the hoops this weekend. And Nova Nation, that's a wrap.